Good morning. So how's your week been? Good, yeah. It's funny, the responses. Can you think back through the week, did you have any challenges? <laughs> did you have anything that challenged your faith? Probably that would be one that you might think, maybe not so much challenge your faith. Um, not that it would make you doubt the Lord. However, we do have things in our lives that are a challenge. And I'm hoping that we can remind you today that Christ is our confidence. Christ is our confidence. So our first song, Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. To find comfort in life, we must know how we can face death. Hope comes only in trusting the one who died to take the curse of death and who crushed the power of death by his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ has been raised from the dead. We know the living one who has conquered death forever. And the Christian can sing hallelujah because Christ assures us of our glorious future. Let's stand together, please, as we begin. Ready? What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to him belong? Who holds our days within his hand? What comes apart from his command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Ready? Sing Sing. 
Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, there we will rise to be Lord, and sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy, like Christ that we can stand with confidence because of the finished work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. Father, we are redeemed people. Help us to sing. Help us to live this next hour in the joy of all that means. Father, thank you that the shadow of death is just that. It's a shadow. But our hope and our existence is with you in glory for all eternity. So death for us is just a passing of one existence to another. But that existence means forever in your presence. So we thank you, Father, for these things. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Now, may you be the one who deserves and whom we give all of our attention to this next hour as we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. Protect us this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated as Miss Judy comes. Good morning, church. It's so great to see you this morning on this beautiful Sunday and this cool weather. Isn't that awesome that we have such cool weather? I know we can tell people that are visiting, this is North Carolina, this is Florida. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited about it, as you can tell, this Floridian here. Um, if this is your first time coming, or you've been coming a while, we'd love to get to know you. And we have a few options for you. You can go out into the atrium to the welcome desk. There would be someone there to answer any questions. Go over the Connect card with you. We'd love that. Also, we have a digital platform set up for you, and you can text the word CONNECT to the phone number 904-441-6900, and what that will do is that will take you to a drop-down menu. You will not only see the word CONNECT, but you will also see prayer and the digital bulletin and our giving, and I just encourage you uh, to do that. Just text it on your phone, very simple, and it'll take you right there anytime during the week just for you, and if you have a prayer request, we'd love for you to put that on there. We'd love to come alongside of you during the week and pray with you. 
If that is all I have in our, that part I'd like to share with you, but I'd like to share a few announcements just to kind of highlight what's in your bulletin for you already. Our Journey of Hope Cancer Ministry just wants you to know that they're there for you. They're actually out in the atrium. They would love to come alongside of you or some, a family member. If you have a friend or someone with cancer, they want to walk with you in that journey. So they're there. Just go out in the atrium. The rest of the information is also in your bulletin. Next Sunday, October the 22nd at 9 a.m. service in the Contemporary service in the Christian Life building right across the way from the, in the atrium, we will be having a child dedication. And that child dedication is for any children that you would like to dedicate. You can go to AnastasiaKids.com and sign them up. So I encourage you, if you have a child that you've been wanting to do that, uh, do that as well. And ladies, our November the 4th event is coming up. It is an outreach. It is, the message is Sojourners. And you say, what in the world is the sojourner? That's us. It's, um, we are here on this earth. This is not our home. We're just visiting. Our home is in heaven. So you're going to hear from four of our ladies here within our church that's going to share their journey uh, that they've had in their lives. Also a guest speaker that will be kind of sharing her testimony. And then Marsha Elder will be leading us in the song. So I encourage you, if you have not gotten a ticket, there's hostesses that will be doing tables decorating as usual, beautiful tables. But go out into the atrium. We have ladies there to sell tickets for you. Check your bulletin, though. We have a lot more announcements that I couldn't cover today. You guys have a blessed week. Thank you.
continue on, will you stand with me as we read scripture together responsively? Everybody starts together. Read with me. He himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my hope. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorruptible, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. No one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid. That is Jesus Christ. Let's sing it together, please. My faith is found. My faith is found.
thank you. Now, before you're seated, take a moment and welcome one another here this morning. You can all be seated if you'd like, unless you want to keep talking, you know. It's nice to hear you fellowship like that, and I hope you enjoy that time. Uh, does it make you nervous to turn around and shake hands with somebody? Oh, I'm glad. That's good. Let's pray together about how blessed God has given, how God cares for our church, how God cares for the things that are happening for our new building, uh, for our staff, for all the things that happen here, you are responsible for that, all of us, as we give our offerings. So let's pray over that offering. Father God, we do thank you for the privilege we have to give back to you. Lord, you tell us to tithe, you tell us to give, you tell us to give generously, and this church does just that. To, to the staff here, to all the things that take place here, to our missionaries who are all over the world. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you that we have the privilege to give back to you. And you make, that, you make those gifts multiply over and over and over. And so we give it to you. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to give back to you because you give so much to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. When I wake up and I look at the news, my heart's been heavy this week. I mean, it just seems like it, it gets worse and worse of, of babies being killed on one side, of water being turned off for a large segment of a population of people that don't want war. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad on all horizons. And I wonder, sometimes you wonder how to pray, right? You wonder how to pray. Um, you know, I, I printed out a prayer guide I came across in the middle of it I thought was well done. You know, um, here's how I'm dealing with this. I'm praying. I'm praying for Israel. The Bible says to pray for Israel. I'm praying for justice. Um, and, you know, I... In the Bible, there are certain war strategies that are condemned by God. There are certain war strategies that are endorsed by God. And God deals with the leaders that way. That's above my pay grade. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I know we need to pray. We need to pray for Israel. I think we need to pray for innocent people. And uh, so there is, a, there is a prayer guide out there. We need to, uh, on the welcome desk, if you want to pick one up, um, we need to pray for Christian believers in Israel. We need to pray that Christ would be made known. Because peace won't happen until Christ is made known. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when everyone's looking at Jesus and not looking at other things, that's when peace is going to happen. So people ask me, um, you know, I know there are protests around the nation on both sides. I'm praying for Israel because the Bible tells me to pray for Israel. I'm praying for innocent people. I don't want to see people killed in war. But I'm trusting in God to... 
to do those things that he said he would do, even in very difficult times. But would you please pray with me as we begin this service? Pray for the war in that area and praying for peace in Jerusalem. Lord Jesus, your word says, pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. And Lord, we do pray. Lord, I'm grateful that there is a place, a homeland of our faith. Lord, I pray that you would keep it secure, Lord, and I pray that leaders on both sides would look to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would protect the innocent, Lord. Lord, I pray that that you would be with Christian believers in Israel. Lord, I pray that you'd be made known, Lord, through, through the horrors, Lord, through the tragedy, Lord, that you would show that peace and hope, destiny, future is found in you and you alone. And Lord, I pray uh, that as you give leaders uh, positions of authority, Lord, that you would give them not only authority, but wisdom and godliness to follow you. Lord, please bring peace, the peace only you can bring. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Uh, I want to, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're continuing the series, and we're actually going to be continuing this sermon along the themes of battles and war. I I want to talk about a message of winning the battles that really matter. And so I'm going to go through 30 verses of Scripture and 13 points in 25 minutes. We're in a series, we're calling it The Divided Heart, and we're talking about those, those kings, those rulers in, in Judah and in Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom of, of Israel, uh, when they had a divided kingdom. And, uh, and we're calling this Divided Heart because the nation was divided because the hearts were divided. And the king I want to spotlight today is that king who ruled in the southern kingdom when Ahab was in the northern kingdom. And the king that ruled in the southern kingdom at that time, his name was Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat, okay? And his name there, it's a combination, comes from Jehovah, Yahweh, the name of God, Jeho, and then Shaphat. That means to, to judge or to govern, to vindicate, to punish. And so really, Jehoshaphat means Yahweh has judged. And it's, it's a good and fitting understanding of who he was because this was the king This was the king about 100 years after King Solomon who set up judges in the land. He had judicial reform. He had Levites that were set up to to judge over religious matters. He had other people set up to judge over non-religious matters. And he told all those judges in, in 2 Chronicles 19, he said, you need to judge as though you were God. You need to judge with godliness and justness and fairness because you are representing the Lord when you judge. So anyway, he... He reigned about 870 B.C., 100 years after Solomon started his reign at 970 B.C. And if you get bored during the sermon, you want to read about Jehoshaphat and not listen to me, you can find him in 1 Kings 22 or in 2 Chronicles 17, 18, 19, and 20. But I'm going to look at chapter 20. Most of the stuff he did was good. Some of it wasn't. He wasn't perfect. One of the things he did, he made peace with King Ahab in the north. And because he made peace with King Ahab and went to war with King Ahab, he was actually called to account for that. And the prophet, there's a prophet that came up to him. His name was Jehu. uh, And this is uh, 2 Chronicles 19. It says this, But Jehu, the son of Hanani, 
the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you. For you destroyed the Asheroth, and those were false worship places. For you destroyed the Asheroth out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. That's a good summary of Jehoshaphat, okay? Uh, he, he, he was someone who tried to serve the Lord, but he wasn't perfect. Does anybody fit in that category? Try to serve the Lord, but not perfect. Okay, this is him, okay? And the defining moment was for Jehoshaphat was how he faced and won a battle. There are two big battles with Jehoshaphat in the Bible. In 1 Kings, there's that battle where he's with Ahab, and they're fighting the people from the north. And, and Ahab said, hey, we're fighting together, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dress up like a regular soldier. You dress up like the king and be the target. I don't know why Jehoshaphat said yes to that, but he did. Uh, and they won that battle, and Ahab died. But then there's another battle in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and it was a more important battle. It was a battle that really mattered. It was, there was an imminent danger that threatened to wipe out the Hebrew home state, okay? All of Judah. This was a battle that really mattered. Not all battles matter. Not all battles matter. Identifying what battles to fight and what battles to sit out, that's crucial. You know, as people on earth, we're always in a spiritual battle, right? We're always in a spiritual battle. In Christ, we are forever and ultimately on the winning side. Right? Can I hear an amen? amen? Amen. We're on the winning side. Okay, so, but we're still in the battle. Okay? Well, this is the battle here. This is a, this is a battle. Uh, uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, amazing type of battle that I want us to understand. So I'm going to go through this and share some points of winning the battles that really matter. So it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, After this, the Moabites... And Ammonites, and with them some of the Maonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. These are the people on the other side of the Jordan River. There are, there's, the, there's the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites, and, and the Maonites are part of some of them. So, so those three people were going to come across the Jordan River. And so anyway, verse 2, so some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hatzatzon Tamar. They're coming in from the south side of the Dead Sea, coming around the Dead Sea. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. If you want to win the battles that really matter, this is the first point. Seriously fast and seek the Lord. We don't talk about fasting much, but seriously fast and seek the Lord. You know, I want to seek the Lord. Bible says if I seek the Lord, I'll find the Lord. But to do that, you know, I think we should fast. And you know what? Fasting is getting rid of the junk of life. Fasting is getting rid of the stuff that keeps me from seeing God. So, you know, if you can do a food fast, I encourage you to do it because it helps you put things in perspective. You know, if you go three days without food, you realize it's not important if it takes 15 minutes for the waitress to bring your food at the restaurant. <laughs> it's not that big a deal, okay? How I respond to that, how I act as a Christian, that's a way bigger deal than how fast my food comes at the restaurant or whether that table got food before my table got food. <laughs> you know, we fast for a blood test. Well, maybe you could skip a meal for the Lord. 
Maybe it's not a blood test, it's a spiritual test. We're in the battle. And whatever I can get rid of so that I can put my attention on the Lord and seek the Lord. You know, if I want to win the battles that really matter, those deep heart battles, seriously fast, get rid of something so you can seek the Lord. Moving on, chapter, verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. They all got in the temple, not in the temple building, but in the court outside the temple. That's how they did worship them. They were all outside in the court. And he said, O Lord, he's praying, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none's able to withstand you. Did you not... Our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they've lived in it and built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. What a prayer. What a prayer. God, we're looking to you. What it would be like to hear our national leaders pray a prayer like this. Lord, we're seeking you. We need salvation from you. What it, what it would be like to see our nation gathering together for prayer to win the battles that really matter. We got to pray. And so write down this. Pray in the power of God for the faithful mercy of God. You pray to God in the power of God. For his faithful mercy, and that's what his mercy is. It's faithful. It never ends. God is faithful. Seek him. Seek him. The prayer is continuing. Verse 10, and now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Zaire, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came for the land of Egypt and who they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Jehoshaphat is, is, is going back to history. And in history, when the, when the children of Israel were leaving the promised land, they did not attack the people of Moab and Ammon and Edom. He didn't attack them, okay? And so he said, you know, now they're paying us back by trying to wipe us out. And in this prayer, King Jehoshaphat is claiming. He is, he is declaring the promises of God. He is claiming the inheritance because he, he realized that he wasn't just a random political leader. He was a steward of the inheritance from God. And so to win the battle that really matters, know and boldly claim our inheritance before God. Claim what God says he gives us, okay? All of us, you're not a random person. God has given you authority or influence in a certain area, and when he's done that, you are a steward of his authority. Okay, so know and boldly claim our inheritance before God in that. So what is your inheritance? Do you know what your inheritance is? Let me tell you, we have an inheritance in heaven. Life forever with Jesus in heaven, eternal life. That's our inheritance. Claim that when everything else is going wrong. On your deathbed, I'm claiming salvation in Jesus Christ in heaven. That's my home, okay? Here's something else. His presence right now. He said, I will be with you. I'm claiming the presence of God that he is with us. That's, that's part of my inheritance. You know another part of my inheritance? is It's the fruit of the Spirit. 
love, joy, peace. I'm claiming peace because, God, you said I could have peace when I trust in you. That's the inheritance. I'm praying for those are the things that will sustain us until heaven. I'm praying for his blessing and his favor. All these things are the inheritance. Do you know the inheritance that God has given to you, and do you claim that inheritance? Claim the inheritance. Continuing on, he's continuing this prayer, King Jehoshaphat. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that's coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's the end of the prayer. End of the prayer. We do not know what to do. You ever ended a prayer like that? Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm looking to you. You know, I feel like that. And so this is the point. In humility, we turn our eyes to the Lord for the next steps. It's okay to say, I don't know what the next steps are when I'm going to the Lord. I'm just taking the next step in faith, and maybe we make a misstep, whatever it is, but, but Lord, I'm just looking to you, and it's okay to say we're not perfect. See, God is omniscient. We don't have to be, right? I am not omniscient, and that's okay. Are you, anybody here omniscient? No one's ready? Okay. Why don't you just raise your hand and say, I am not omniscient. I, oh, there you go. And it's okay. It's okay that you don't know everything. We have a God who does. And we're going to follow him. So turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to the Lord for wisdom. Turn to him for salvation. Okay. So the prayer's over. Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mahaniah a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Look at who gathered together. All Judah gathered together. Families gathered together. Little ones, wives, children, husbands. The Spirit of the Lord was there. The leaders of the country were there, and the leaders of faith were there. There was a prophet that was there. And then there's the midst of the assembly. This is community. This is circling the wagons. And what I want to say to us, when there are battles that really matter, don't face the battle in isolation. Don't face the battle in isolation. We need to gather, we need to unite as a community of faith with those battles because battles are important and we need each other. You know, sometimes when a hard time comes, it is not, it is not rare that people will isolate themselves. They will get off to themselves. They feel like people are judging them or people don't understand them. I've spent enough time with people in my office here at the church to know that there's a lot of people here that are going through a lot of problems. You are not alone. And there are people that are going through the problems. They're not judging you. They're trying to get through life too. And there's a lot of sympathy and empathy for the things you're going through if you'll just let the body of Christ minister to you. And so don't face the battle in isolation. We, we need to gather and unite with the community of faith. That's why I go to life group. I have a life group. I don't lead the life group. I go to life group on, on Monday nights when I can. I go to that life group because I got a place where I, I know people are praying for me. I go to a place where I can listen and hear the word of God. I get to hear prayer requests. I go to a place where they tease me mercilessly. 
but you know, I just, I, I, I need the community. Not just to be standing up talking in front of everybody. I need to be in community. I think we all need that. Don't face the battle in isolation. Verse 15. <clears throat> and he said, this is, this is Jehaziel, okay? Jehaziel. Uh, he's, that, he's that prophet. He says, listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, the king Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Here's the point. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Especially as we're going through the events of this week, it's easy to get afraid. It's easy to get dismayed. It's easy to get discouraged by the things that are going on around us. It's, it's easy to get discouraged by the things that are going on in our personal lives. And this is a word to all of us. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. You should write that down. It's easy to remember because it rhymes. Okay? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. The battle is not yours, but God's. The plan for your life is not to be in a life of fear. Romans chapter 8, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we have a God. When we're afraid, we can look to the Father and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need some help. We don't need to have fear because we have the Lord. So next point is the same verse. The last words of verse 15, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle belongs to God. Christian life is more about surrender than most anything else. It's about surrender almost more than anything else, surrender and submitting. But the thing is, I surrender to the Lord, not to the enemy. I'm surrendering my fear to the Lord. I'm surrendering preparation to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm submitting strategy for the Lord's wisdom, all that to the Lord. I'm surrendering the battle to the Lord. That all belongs to the Lord. So realizing that, that the biggest battle sometimes is, is what I can surrender to the Lord and let him fight the battle. But surrender to the Lord, not to the enemy. Surrender to give it to the Lord, okay? The battle is his. He said he'd take it. And then the, the prophet continues, he says... In verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they'll come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. He's saying, this is where you're going to find them coming up through the mountains, up into uh, the area. You'll not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. You know, it's, it's very interesting here. He said, you don't need to fight this battle. You need to stand firm. Don't fight. Stand firm. We live in a battle. There are spiritual battles. There are personal battles. There are financial battles. There are all kinds of battles that are going on. And, and, and sometimes we just get in fight mode. You know, and there, are some, and there are some people, you may know people like this, maybe not. They're not happy unless they're in some kind of battle. You know, people, they're not happy unless they're in an argument or disagreement with someone. That's what just turns them on. Um, but you know what? It's saying here, don't fight when you don't need to fight. Sometimes, you need, sometimes we need to stand firm. Stand firm and fight are not the same thing. 
Here it says stand firm and don't fight. Okay, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. And so the point is this. In the battles that really matter, as you're seeking the Lord, as you're fasting, as you're praying, as you're wanting his wisdom, move when God says move. Stand when God says stand. Move when God says move. Stand when God says stand. Sometimes I think we lose spiritual battles because we decide to fight different battles on our own. You know, sometimes we try to fight to defend ourselves. <laughs> and God says, you don't have to defend yourselves. I'm your defender. I can take care of that. You don't need to defend yourself. We, we don't have to defend ourselves if we're on the side of the Lord and the Lord's promised to defend us. Uh, so do you fight battles that don't have to be fought? Just remember this. Move when God says move. Stand firm when God just says stand firm. Um, then verse 17, he says, you'll not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Just watch what God is going to do for you. And the point is, to win the battle, I think we need to cultivate an awareness of the Lord's presence. If we don't cultivate that awareness of the Lord's presence, sometimes we win the battle, we don't even know it. Because we're looking for a different kind of victory. When we're, when we're seeking, we're in sync with the Lord, and we win the battle the way the Lord wants us to win the battle, then we understand we have a, a victory. But I need to cultivate an awareness of the Lord's presence. Now, how do I do that? I think it begins in the morning, every morning, cultivating an awareness of the presence of the Lord, every day greeting the Lord. I think it begins in the morning. So, and then I think we greet the Lord in prayer, and then we need to listen to the Lord. I think we need to listen to his word and what he's trying to tell us. And then what we do is we watch what he's doing all day long. God is working among us all day long. You know what God is doing all day long? He's causing the sun to rise. He's inspiring the grass to grow. He's causing the rain to fall. He, he makes it possible for children to be born. He's answering prayers. He's restoring relationships. God is presenting all day long. He's presenting solutions where we couldn't find solutions before. And if we watch what God is doing and thank him for what he's doing, I believe that as we cultivate that awareness of God, you may notice that an amazing coincidence really isn't an amazing coincidence. It's nothing other than a miracle straight from the hand of God. Going on, verse 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites, these are two groups of Levites, subgroups, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Do you know what kind of voice they used? A very loud voice. Okay. Before the battle, before the victory, they praised the Lord, okay? And there is intense spiritual power in praise. 
Spiritual victories are empowered by praise. That's the next point to write down. Spiritual victories are empowered by praise. It's not some, we don't praise the Lord after the battle. We praise the Lord going into the battle because that's where the power comes from. I don't just praise God when we have a victory. I praise God when we face the battle. I praise him out loud because praise is loud. Praise is loud. I have people write me notes every so often. The worship service is too loud. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the home team advantage is? You know what home team advantage is? Uh, you know, you go into the stadium, the visiting team comes in, there's only a few people, but the home team has tons and tons of people. They're all shouting and, and encouraging people on, and they say that's an extra person on the team. That home team advantage is powerful. It's the power of the fans. You know, I'm, I'm a guy, and I watch football on TV. You know, guys will go to a football game. They will take their shirts off. They will cover themselves with body paint. They will raise the roof and shout, and they will look like complete and absolute idiots, sometimes on television for their home team. That same guy will come into worship and stand and not want to sing and not posture himself in any way because they'd be embarrassed. I think we need to shout out for our team, right? We need to shout out for the Lord. Shouldn't, shouldn't our shout out for God and our excitement for God be more intense, louder than our excitement for the Florida Gators or the Jacksonville Jaguars? Amen. I love to hear that. We serve a great God. Amen. Yeah. I love it. You know, I, I grew up in a generation where people wouldn't raise their hands in worship. It's loosened up a bit now. It's okay to raise your hand in worship, you know, because you're saying, I'm, I'm just getting into worship. I'm trusting the Lord. It's okay. We serve a great God. And you know, in heaven, the Bible says worship's going to be loud. Everything in creation Around the throne room of God is centered around that throne and the elders and the creatures and the multitudes and all the same from all the ages are going to be there and they're going to be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Some of y'all are going to write notes to Jesus. Worship's too loud. No. No. But the point is, the point is, spiritual victories are empowered by praise. And we don't just praise God when the victory happens. We praise God when we face the battle. Amen. Moving on, verse 20. Time is a wasting here. And they, they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. You'll be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he'd taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zaire who come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Zair, devoting them to destruction. And when they'd made an end to the inhabitants of Zair, they all helped to destroy one another. The enemy killed each other, evil of evil. Now, have you noticed that, that they put the singers in front? I like that kind of strategy. We go to battle. I think I put the, the music leader and the choir in the front. I'm going to get in the back. But you notice, you notice 
that evil destroyed evil. God made that happen. And in verse 24, it says, When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde. And behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. Verse 26. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berakah. Berakah means blessing. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Berakah to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And here's the point, that just joy, exuberantly celebrate God's victories in our lives. We just got to exuberantly celebrate God's victories in our lives. Sometimes when we get a victory, we don't, we, don't, we don't celebrate the victory. We go on to the next battle. But we don't need to go on to the next battle without celebrating what God has done. <coughs> Excuse me. Moving on. Verse 30. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. The last point I want to make is this. Battles are not forever. Battles are not forever. The Lord also gives rest. He gives it in this life. He gives it in the next. Battles are not forever. Jesus said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you battle-worn? Are you war-torn? Battle's not forever. If you want rest from the battle, seek Jesus. Go to Jesus. He's ready for you. He'll take you. He'll take you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are. Peace and rest, salvation, forgiveness, second chances are all found in the name of Jesus Christ. And how do you, how, how do, you do that? Well, in humility, we say, Lord, I can't. Do it on my own. I know I can't get to heaven on my own, but I'm going to trust you. And say, Lord, please forgive me. Help me to follow you. I'm trusting in you to give me life forever with you in heaven. I'm committing my life to you and to your ways and your purposes. And you know, the Bible says if, if we trust in him, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, everything that keeps us out of heaven. You ever feel like you don't deserve heaven? None of us do. But it comes from Jesus. That's the end of the battle. Peace comes when we look to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this time that we could see this amazing battle and see how you worked in the life of Jehoshaphat, but Lord, also how you're working in our lives. And Lord, if there's someone here that needs to trust in you as Savior, Lord, someone that needs to get a second chance in this life, Lord, someone that needs to be lifted up, Lord, I pray that they're looking to you. And Lord, help us to be church. Lord, help us to be that support for them, to help them find all the potential that comes in you. 
Lord, I thank you in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're coming to a time of response. I invite you to stand. And as you stand, you might want to come forward. If you want to come forward for prayer, I'm glad to pray with you. If you want to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can come. Or you want to present yourself for membership or baptism, whatever God is calling you to do. If you come, we'll rejoice with you as you take that step and experience that spiritual victory. You come. Well, let's sing today. Holy, holy, holy. volume can be and it's amazing how powerful silence can be let's go to him so father in the quietness and the stillness of this room and of our hearts may we say first of all thank you Thank you for being a God who loves us and has shown us such mercy and grace. Thank you that our confidence can be in our Savior, Jesus Christ.
May we feed off of this time today as we go through our week, having received strength to endure that which comes even as we leave this building. And Father, help us to share that confidence that we have with others because we live in a lost world. As Judy said, we are just sojourners here. And so strengthen us, embolden us, May we satisfy you as we leave and as we look to this week. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.